I know that in the United States, at least, um, there is like a giant emphasis on like being really happy. I don't feel like that's true in every culture, um, no. but there's definitely an emphasis on like optimism and positive thinking, which I think has the opposite effect for a lot of people yeah. because a lot of the time life is pretty crappy. It gets better cause it has to get better. We're all made of humans. You're listening to the Made of Human podcast. My name is Sophia Egan. I am your host. I'm from Denmark. That should explain the accent. I live in the UK, but I'm currently recording this from Melbourne in Australia because, uh, I am not responsible with my money, so I've gone halfway around the world to hang out in Melbourne uh, during the Melbourne Comedy Festival, which is amazing because I get to meet and interview, I know we don't say interview, we say chat with some uh, brilliant comedians that I wouldn't uh, otherwise have met on the other side of the world where I do live. And one of those comedians is Kate Willett, who has just left my hotel room after having done this episode. And... During the whole chat, I keep saying interview, during the whole chat, I was just thinking, oh my God, she's perfect for this podcast. <laughs> like, like she's the epitome, 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 not epitome, not epidemic. She's the, uh, the, the summary of a uh, made of human podcast guest, I think. Um, so I think she will echo so much of what most of you guys feel and, um, uh, and think often. So anyways, you're going to love Kate. Uh, before I let you uh, listen to her, I will uh, just plug that I'm doing live episodes of the Made of Human podcast in uh, at Soho Theatre in July in London, at the McCondath Comedy Festival and at the Brighton Fringe Festival. I will make sure to put links up for the tickets on uh, Made of Human podcast website, where you can also buy merchandise, tote bags and uh, t-shirts and stuff with the logo and other kind of Mopart fan art. There's specifically some Susan Kalman themed t-shirts, which are beautiful, I think. And um, you can sign up for the newsletter so you will be notified of future uh, like tickets for live shows. You'll be the first one to know. You can also uh, submit your act of disobedience, which is where if you've done something pretty cool, something you were afraid of, you've stood up to the man, you've tried to, uh, to fight the patriarchy, you have um, told a man to not grope you, stuff like that. We've had some pretty cool entries from people just who've just protested and who've changed laws and any of that, you can go to madeofhumanpodcast.com and submit that. So there's lots of stuff where you can get further involved with the podcast and I would, of course, love for you to do so because I love doing this. It's the best thing ever because I get to have uh, inspiring and uh, heartwarming conversations with people like Kate Willett and uh, I am pretty sure you'll enjoy this episode because she was great. So please... Uh, Please enjoy this episode with the incredible Kate Willett. So for people who might not know who you are, do you want to give like a little introduction? I am a stand-up comedian. Um, I am based in New York right now. I'm from California. Um, I uh, have been on This Is Not Happening on Comedy Central um, and I have... A special 15 minutes coming out on Netflix this summer. Um, I like to talk about feminist 
lady stuff in my work (laughs) where possible yeah (laughs) yeah have you always talked about uh feminism in your acts uh yeah you know it's weird because it's like i think when i started comedy i was um very self-deprecating and then i started getting more political And maybe now I'm actually have been a little bit less political lately. I think just because I feel so sick of politics. I just yeah. feel really stressed out about everything that's happening in the world. So I've been talking about some really silly stuff recently to just make myself feel better. But yeah. I saw a clip where you went to Politicon. Is that what yeah, called? Yeah. Um, and it was like hilarious but you did also have to speak to people who were like trump supporters oh yeah oh yeah i mean and that was like we talked to people for hours that day that was only three minutes of it but i talked to some real looney tunes like they were just crazy people like just nuts about um trump and just so i i just i don't understand people who think that trump is the best i really don't yeah no doesn't make any sense yeah but you had to i'm just Because that's, I guess that's what you, what I want to talk to you about is that whole, because you were so funny with it and you could come with these little funny comments and, you know, it's all edited together. It's like nice little three minute bit. But isn't it, it must be strange to do all of that, but knowing that these, like, it's so serious as well. Like, it's it's a funny thing. You can make so many jokes about it and people like John Oliver stuff do these incredibly hilarious bits and stuff, but... Like talking to someone who's actually helping something really bad happen. Yeah, yeah. I was feeling bad for a second because I realized like, I definitely did not want to stigmatize mental illness or anything by referring to Trump supporters as crazy. Uh, you know, the first oh, yeah, of all, I shouldn't have done that. I have depression and anxiety and have my own struggles with mental issues. I'm trying to figure out a way to describe what I see going on with the people who support Trump that isn't that it does feel like there is is that the word yeah but there's also a disconnection from reality a little bit you know like there's there's a refusal to acknowledge who he is I mean I have family members that are very religious that are like um that just think that he's like some great religious super moral guy and they're just pretending all this stuff about him isn't true and it was just like I don't know. There's just there's something about it that involves a lot of not accepting reality. That's yeah. So strange. Oh, that's so strange. Yeah. Because it's not it's not really a matter of opinion, is it? Like most of these, it is facts. Yeah, yeah. It's weird, but there's there's like a bunch of people that don't even want to acknowledge facts like about him. Like just a bunch of people who don't even believe. They just believe everything's a lie and they just think he's a great guy and any negative information about him is just a complete fabrication of the media and it's very strange. Yeah. So you have to you've had to be just really funny about all of that and does that just end was there a moment when you thought oh it's not funny anymore? Um where you were like I just want to talk about silly stuff now cuz Yeah, I mean I that was really probably the only day when I was really spending a lot of time talking to Trump supporters for comedy, you know? Um I definitely talk to Trump supporters in my shows when I go to other places um in the US and stuff, you know, you meet people like I met some folks in Ohio who were like really into Trump and Actually, they were nice to me. They were like, "Oh, he's not so bad." Like, you know, he, I get it. They're, he's a weird guy, but yeah, it was. You know, I just 
I don't get it. I don't get it. And there's a lot of misinformation um, going around. So, yeah. So what? So we're in we're in Melbourne right now. How is it something you kind of carry with you? The fact like your Americanness when you now visit other places. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. When I was, I traveled abroad in 2003 and 2004, and everybody wanted to talk to me about George W. Bush and the Iraq War. And I felt really ashamed to be an American at that time. I feel like with Trump, that people that I've met from other countries do understand that, like, not all of us like him, you know? Like, they seem to know that um it's it's definitely not everyone in the u.s who yeah, supports not even, this not even the majority yeah i've been surprised that um that's this it's not even what people think is the worst thing about our country <laughs> yeah which is fair yeah yeah <laughs> yeah fair enough tell me about or talk to me about um depression and anxiety i think i mean i don't even think i've ever met someone who didn't have some some that to some degree yeah i mean i don't know I've, i've always been a very um you know i grew up with a lot of hard stuff and i it's just something that i've always struggled with particularly since i was a teenager um have felt pretty good throughout the past um couple years but uh yeah it's definitely something that i've you know kind of always always had to manage my whole life <laughs> yeah this is a It's going to be a personal question, and you don't have to answer it. Uh, what do you mean you grew up with hot stuff? Like, um, I grew, I had, there was a lot of uh, serious illness in my family. Serious? Serious oh, illness. Illnesses, sorry. Yeah, like, my brother was very sick the whole time I was growing up, and um, with a, uh, like, a life-threatening disease, and my mom was also really sick, so I just grew up um, in the middle of a lot of uh, very stressful medical stuff, and... I'm not really sure that that's why I was depressed, but it was definitely part of it. Is like feeling um, like I couldn't really talk to the other people that were, um, you know, at, at school about the stuff that I was experiencing, obviously, because, you know, you can't like it's just most 13 year olds or 12 year olds or whatever, not mature enough to like support someone through that kind of difficult experience, yeah. you know, totally understandable. Yeah. Um, But I think it's made me feel like pretty isolated. Um, and I just started like learning to like take my feelings away and deal with problems um, on my own. Uh, and it's been a process for me as an adult to learn that I can open up about my feelings to people and also support other folks with some of the things that they're dealing with and um just have a better sense of connection because now it's like you know it's different than being 12 years old there's a lot of people who have gone through stuff and you know we're kind of all in it together <laughs> yeah so is it also part of I, well, what i see and what from my own experience is when something is tough when you're a child you also just have to become an adult really fucking quick exactly yeah and you see your 12 year old friends still playing with stuff and you're like mate yeah <laughs> don't be a child about this yeah and then suddenly you're in your 30s and you're like i probably should have played more yeah totally <laughs> yeah <laughs> been less of an adult when i was 10 maybe yeah exactly um have you what so when did you get did you get a diagnosis or is it um Yeah, I well, um, I was on medicine for depression for a good bit of time when I was in college. Um, what, you, what age is that? Um, like um, early 20s, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and I haven't been for a while, um, but I still go to therapy. 
Um, yeah, I, you know, I've, I've definitely found ways of like managing, um, my depression over time that have like worked for me more. Like I've noticed it really is important to me, um, to be physically active. Like it helps my, um, it just helps my mood a lot and to go outside and also to spend time with people. Um, just, you know, having, you know, just going for a walk with a friend, um, trying to do something where I like really get to connect in a deep way with another person at least once every day, like make time to have a quality um, interaction with a friend. And yeah, I think that I think that that's that, you know, I've just kind of learned how to to feel better um, as I've gotten older um and also maybe i'm a little bit less hard on myself i think i have more self-compassion than i used to um because i wasn't used to like treating myself in a gentle way like people didn't really talk to me in a gentle way when i was growing up and you know it's been a skill that i've cultivated over time and i think that um there's like the chemical element of it but then there's also like the you know, just the way I talk to myself is a big piece of it too. I think, yeah, I think I echo what a lot of people are thinking, which is, how do you do that? How do you become self compassionate? Self compassionate. It's uh, so difficult, isn't it? I think that for me, there's a giant distinction between self esteem and self compassion okay. because. For me, self-esteem is something that sometimes I have it and sometimes it feels really elusive, like the sense of like, I'm great, you know, I'm awesome. Like to me, that doesn't, it just, a lot of time that feels so fake to me that it just actually makes it worse, you know? But for me, self-compassion is more like, um, I'm sad and it's, you know, it's understandable that I'm sad. A lot of people are sad sometimes. That's part of being a human being, you know? And just kind of thinking about, myself as having a very human experience that I'm not alone with and that kind of takes the edge off for me um it, it's yeah it feels more true to me a lot of the time than the like I'm great you know but also I think one of the things I've I've, I've only <clears throat> recently realized that I did was then I went into because it's like knowing all these things knowing oh I should be kind to myself I should be nice to myself and suddenly that turns into this voice in my head saying oh you can't even be kind to yourself oh now you were just down on yourself you piece of shit and you're like oh wait I just found another thing to beat myself up with where actually it's you know it's that thing when you learn to meditate like imagine it's a cloud and it just it just exists and you're just feeling these things and that's also okay and forgiving yourself for having spoken badly to yourself as well yeah i mean i think that like with meditation you know one thing that like can be helpful about it is you start to see that there's like part of your brain that's like chattering all the time and then there's another part that's kind of like observing that chatter you know so sometimes one thing that helps me is like when I'm being really hard on myself to just be like I'm being really hard on myself right now and like even if I can't stop being really hard on myself it just helps me to like notice like man you know I am really attacking myself right now instead of just being like I am a piece of shit and that is the ultimate truth, you know? Sometimes just even noticing it yeah. gives a little relief, you know? Yeah. My my first therapist, second therapist, that's always a fun sentence to say, my second therapist said at one point, I basically said to her, like, she used it against me because I said, oh yeah, I'm like the worst, I'm the worst person, like I'm the worst, like it's the worst, I'm the worst thing that's ever happened to anyone. She said, what makes you so special? I was like, ah oh, shit, yeah, that's a good point. Like that, sometimes that becomes like, 
oh, anyone who meets me will have their lives ruined because I'm so... And they're like, really? You think you have that much power? You think you're that big of a deal that you can ruin someone's life? And that was like the first kind of like push down like a hill of going, oh yeah, okay, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe I'm not actually the worst person in the world. Yeah, and a lot of people also feel that way too. I mean, it's just like a pretty common human experience. Everybody I've met to some degree or another is hard on themselves. Some people have a better time um talking themselves out of that but you know it's it's pretty normal i think why is it normal i mean why why is it normal why is it a thing i don't know i'm not sure if it is normal in every single i I don't know if it's normal in every single culture Mm -hmm. i've read that there are some cultures where people are not hard on themselves in that way you know I don't know. I know. <laughs> I know that the people that I know are, yeah. for the most part, you know. Are they mainly comedians? Do you think it's a comedian thing as well? Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't even know if I believe I, that. I don't know. I mean, people definitely people that aren't comedians as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Shit. So where? So right now <clears throat> in your life, where are you? In, like emotionally, like just right this very moment, what's going on? Like what's happening in your in your head? Um, right now I am, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty excited to be in Melbourne. Um, some things that I'm thinking about, uh, recently. Um, yeah, you know, I think with comedy, it's always like such a, it's always such a crapshoot, like in terms of like what's going to happen next. And I'll go through periods of like being really stressed out about what's going to happen next. And then I'll go through periods of just like, being excited to be a comedian and to have, you know, write jokes and stuff and being something about being here in the city and getting to be around a bunch of other people. I feel much more in the space of like, wow, this is fun. I get to be creative and tell jokes in Australia. And that's good. Um, you know, I, I moved to New York like maybe a year and change ago. And, um, I'm excited to go back there cause I've been on the road for two and a half months um, I'm definitely, I'm definitely on the road a lot. And I think I like being on the road a lot, but I'm also realizing that like, maybe I use being on the road a little bit to like, not like settle down someplace, you know? And, uh, I, I think when I go back to New York, I'm going to try harder to like put down some roots and like get more involved with some community stuff, even besides comedy, you know, maybe start doing some volunteering, um, making some making some new friends and also making an effort to like spend time with the friends that I have made there you know because it's just like it's easy not to do that when you're like in town for a day and then out of town for a day and you know (laughs) yeah why do you think you don't want to settle or settle down I don't know I like I mean I just like traveling all the time there's something really fun and addictive about like you know, I'm annoyed with this situation. Well, it's fine because I'm leaving for three weeks, you know. <laughs> I had, before I left for Australia, uh, I saw my therapist and I was like going through my schedule over the next couple of months. I was like, well, I'm leaving then, I'm leaving then, I'm leaving then. And she went, do you see a pattern like in the past couple of years with our work? And I was like, uh, no, I don't know what you mean. She was like, every time we're about to reach like a critical moment where you have to start facing some shit, you leave. And I was like, Oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Do, I do do that. She was like, yeah, I remember there was that time in December when we had two sessions a week and we were really getting somewhere. You were gone for a month after that. And she just went through all of it. And I was like, uh, yeah. She was like, you don't want to get better. You don't want to go through this. And I was like, oh, that's, yeah. So now I'm like, yeah, I think I, I've canceled a few trips so that I can 
be in London for like at least three months in a row just to to spend <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> what you mean. Yeah, yeah to face it in a way um, I was just thinking like it might be like the what's what's the word escapism yeah I so think so yeah I mean in terms of ways to escape like getting paid to travel for work seems like one of the healthier ways to escape yeah. I when I um was younger I used to drink a lot and now i don't drink at all and i haven't for a long time but uh you know that had way worse consequences than like going on tour <laughs> financial yeah benefits. yeah totally but i yeah I, I think um yeah i think you can you can definitely um escape yourself with traveling but you can also really um i think grow from seeing new things and encountering new people so it's it's a balance you kind of have to listen to yourself and what you need also maybe get some feedback from people that you really trust you know like good friends therapists who can like point out like hey uh you're not dealing with this thing you know it's the worst like i because i think i've become so competitive even in therapy I, it's for me it's a competition with yourself mm, i think mainly with her oh really <laughs> yeah she i have this i've become quite obsessed with the idea that she really wants me to cry so i i will not cry in front of her and i'm aware that i'm paying her to make me better but i'm also at the same time like nah, she can't win this one like once i had like a tear in my eye and i was just furious and i just ended up saying fine you win this one she was like what <laughs> i feel like that I don't. I do not know your therapist, no. but I feel like there's a high likelihood that she has never thought I really want her to cry. Like I feel like there's a pretty good chance that that's never crossed her mind. I think you're absolutely right. She might that. just be like, "I want to help this person have a happier life." Yeah. I just want to be able to pay for my holiday with this person, so yeah, hard <laughs> on cash. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think it's all like a, again a way of trying to escape that inevitable like. Yeah. Let's actually f maybe try and fix this, which yeah. is always going to be painful. But yeah. like, it's meant to—that's part of the whole thing, isn't it? Like, it's, sometimes it's just meant to be painful. Like sometimes it, things hurt. Like the way you said, like it's okay. A lot of people are sad, and sometimes that's just how it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what it's. You know, I know that in the United States, at least, um, there is like a giant emphasis on like being really happy. I don't feel like that's true in every culture. Um, no. But there's definitely an emphasis on like optimism and positive thinking, which I think has the opposite effect for a lot of people, yeah. because a lot of the time life is pretty crappy, you know, like people die, relationships end, people have illnesses, physical ones, mental ones. And it's just kind of tough a lot of the time and i sort of feel like this constant pressure or this like yardstick that you're supposed to use to measure yourself against like what's a perfect happy life you know uh it can actually create more suffering like instead mm -hmm. of just being like yeah man i have a really hard time you know <laughs> um it won't be hard forever but it's definitely hard right now and i think social media makes it a lot worse um but yeah sometimes the expectation that things are supposed to be happy makes stuff um just even more stressful and unpleasant yeah how does you doing comedy fit into that narrative you know like because that's for a lot of people that just symbolizes happiness and laughter and <laughs> i guess i am happy to have an outlet for 
you know, what, no matter what I go through in my life, I always have it in the back of my mind. Like, you know, I'll have a way to express this that'll, you know, feel good. Um, it, and, and that helps, you know, I think comedy also increases like my sense of connection with people. Um, like other comics or the audience, just the, both, both actually. Cause it's like, if you talk about stuff that you, went through that you know maybe you felt alone at a time but then if you can get a room full of people to laugh at it you're like oh man you know i'm actually uh i'm not alone in this <laughs> you know and that feels better yeah so talk to me about relationships because one of the things is not like super much about your like inner demons and stuff and what i could find from like a quick google um but you the thing that keeps popping up is polyamory and uh bisexuality so you're quite open about like uh, love and sex and relationships and stuff in in what you talk about. Yeah, um, I definitely have been so far. Um, I don't know like, what I'm going to talk about forever, but you know, I think that I was going through a period of time in my life um, where I was really into exploring sexuality, and so that came out a lot in my comedy because those were the things that I was like really reckoning with you know uh was that in a healthy this is what we do now thing or was that part of an escapism thing probably a little bit of both you know like i was i would hook up with a lot of people and uh my friends would be like you know you're getting bummed out and i'd be like stop slut shaming me and they're like we're not slut shaming you uh, we just noticed that you are crying you know <laughs> and so it's like i think that i uh You know, I just I really do believe that people should be able to do whatever they want as long as it's with other consenting adults. Um, but, you know, I also think that like part of self-care is like yeah, looking out for like what really feels good to you emotionally. And, you know, sometimes those decisions are really complicated. Like, you know, sometimes you can have a relationship with someone, you know, that, you know, is not going to last forever. And It can be really beautiful and fun, but then there's a lot of pain at the end of it, and it's like, ugh, you know, was this worth it or not? And I don't, I don't know if the answer is always really clear. You know, sometimes it is, but a lot of time it's not. And I feel like with sex, it's like uh, it can be it can be complicated because it's like it's a wonderful, fun thing to do, and it also is um, something that can end up creating heartbreak and conflict and jealousy and insecurity and it's just like okay wow we're really having the human experience right now you know <laughs> i feel like when i when i see, most of the times i see people get hurt over like casual love or casual sex it's almost always because of this shame attached to it or the uh need or desire to seem in control of it You know, I, you know, I have friends who keep going back to the same kind of lousy person. And that's fine. But it's them saying, this is the last time. I'm never doing it again. I'm never doing it again. I'm, each time it happens. And I always like, I mean, wouldn't it feel better to say, I'm probably going to do this again. I know it's not the best thing for me, but I can't not do it until I've fulfilled some kind of need to... <laughs> whatever try and win over this person or you know it's so funny that's like like the 
the the harm reduction model of bad relationships. The what? The harm. The harm reduction model of bad relationships. Like what any of that. Means. Oh well, Second I just was. Area. So I, you know, like um, I was thinking about like with drugs. You know, there's some pe- there there's some people that think like you know the best way to you know if someone has a problem with a drug addiction that the best way is to like just have total abstinence. You know, but then there are other people that are like, you know maybe total abstinence is not realistic for everyone. So we should just try to make things, you know, as safe as possible and make sure that people, you know, anything we can do to like prevent people from getting hurt or getting hurt more, we should do it. You know, what you were talking about kind of reminded me of that of like, yeah, like I'm going to have a relationship with somebody who is not that great, but I can stop beating myself up about it. And I think that that was definitely something that I tried to do at one point that was one idea that i had um and implemented i think where i'm at right now is um in this place of like that i only i do only want people in my life that are nice to me and sweet and value me um but those types of relationships like don't feel super familiar or easy for me and so i end up spending i think a lot of time between relationships at this point and like that feels okay but sometimes i'm starting to be like Sometimes I think, well, you know, when I was willing to put up with almost anything, I dated a lot more people, you know, and that made me feel uh, that was fun and I had a lot more sex and I I felt like really pretty a lot of the time because I was just like, yeah, man, everyone, everyone wants this. But now that I'm like, okay, only people who are super sweet and wonderful to me, then it's just not as many people. Yeah, this is fewer of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you polyamorous? Or was that part of your experimental? Um, I would say I'm not at this point, but I definitely have been in multiple poly relationships. I would say at this moment, what sounds better to me is monogamy. But yeah. I've been in, I've dated many poly people and I've been with, you know, in multiple relationships at the same time. It was something that was very common in the San Francisco Bay Area. It almost felt weirder oh, yeah? to not be poly. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, fun. Yeah. I no idea. Yeah. So now, okay, so do you think it's something you can switch switch back into that makes it sound like everything's a choice in a way? But, because that's what I, because I've been thinking about it quite a bit recently and trying to figure out where I stand in all of this. I was just like, fuck, if you, you have to find someone who's nice to you and treats you well and they're super into polyamory and you kind of just start there's a fewer and fewer fish in the sea because excluding most of it so just thinking of how easy it was to actually find someone who fitted into all of those well in San Francisco most I would say most people are some version of poly or open relationship it's harder to find people that want to have monogamy I think that's amazing why is that um just the culture of the Bay Area you know I had no idea that was a thing. Yeah, definitely. In New York, it's in New York. There is polyamory. There's a lot of poly people, but it's probably more of the exception. Which honestly, since I'm a person that's looking for monogamy right now, it like feels easier to me to to date in New York because, you know, when I go out on a date with someone, um, I have a pretty reasonable expectation that the fact that they're on a date with me means that they're like not married to someone else you know and in san francisco that was never a thing that you could take for granted (laughs) yeah i went on a date once with a guy and then his girlfriend showed up in the middle of it 
which surprised both of us, to be fair. And it was the weirdest thing. That's so- I had no idea she was a thing that existed. Oh, my God. That's so he, his face completely mid-drink just changed, and he was like, oh, hi, and then kissed this girl. And I was like, I, I'm not sure what's really happening. Oh, that's yeah. horrible. So the three of us had this really lovely date where she didn't know that she just crashed a date. She thought that they were in a monogamous oh, yeah, relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had absolutely no idea. Oh, what that's was happening. awful. And so the three of us just sat there, and I, I found the best thing to do was to pretend that it hadn't been a date, and that we were like colleagues. And I, I tried to save it, but yeah. and he just couldn't deal with the situation because I don't think he's, he wasn't like a professional jerk. Like I don't think he'd really done something <laughs> like that before. And so it just became this really tense two-hour thing before I managed to be like, oh well. I, Thanks for the professional meeting. Uh, nice to meet you. Good luck to you too. Bye. Kind of thing. You're like, fucking hell. Some people. Damn. Some people. Yeah. Jesus. So are you Are you currently, uh, like, are you looking? Are you okay with being, like, alone? Uh, I just saved a Netflix special and then was on the road for a while. So I haven't dated anyone in a few months because I just, like, once I found out that I was going to be shooting that, I was super excited and I just wanted to work on it all the time. I was like, I don't want to take a break to meet a random person on Tinder right now. <laughs> but I think when I go back to New York, I'll try it again. Just I feel like with like Tinder and online dating or whatever, I just like I'll just go through like a real like sprint rest kind of cycle. You know, I just it's like you meet 10 people <laughs> And then, you know, it's just it's boring or there's no chemistry or whatever. And then it's like you get frustrated and you stop for a while. Meet someone in real life. I don't know. I used to date a lot of comedians. Um, date is maybe a euphemism. <laughs> but when I started comedy, I was really into comedians. I thought they were like really great. You know, these troubled, funny, edgy people. And then within about a year and a half after that i was like oh my gosh never again (laughs) never 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 (laughs) i feel like female comics can handle it way better than the men yeah i don't know i mean it's like i'm not totally close to the idea of ever in a relationship with a comedian i would say that the things that made my relationships go wrong with whatever comedian it wasn't like it wasn't the fact that they did comedy as a profession or told jokes it was more like fear of intimacy or alcoholism or just like problems that like if anyone had it would make it hard to have a relationship you know so i don't know i mean like i'm on a show with like a comic on this festival who is married to another comedian and i really like them both and from you know it seems from all accounts that they are very happy together and i'm not gonna like totally close my mind to it but for the most part, I am looking to date someone in a different industry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I find when, when I've done that, it, I get so tense when they then start to talk about comedy. I become so protective of comedy. I'm like, oh, I don't think you're allowed to have an opinion on this. Because I, you know, I re- they really, because if they're a comedy fan, I immediately step back a bit. I'm like, oh, you like, you like comedy? Well, what, yeah. what kind of stuff do you like? Do you, is it, are you just with me? Because I'm a comedian or and if they don't like comedy i'm like what is wrong with you it's the best thing in the whole world and i find it to be such a tense i would love someone who's just like within the industry so they get it and they're inside of it but they're not actually themselves needing to be on a stage in front of a bunch of people 
I my last boyfriend was an engineer and I liked it. I liked that he had nothing didn't have anything to do with what I was doing, you know, and he had kind of a flexible schedule so we could hang out together in the morning sometimes and that was nice. But yeah, it was really great to date someone that was not involved in any way, you know. That might be the healthiest thing. Uh, so was he one of was your last boyfriend was he like good, a good guy? Was he like healthy, all of those positive things relationship that you said you weren't familiar with? I think it was healthy at the beginning. It was, you know, he was really sweet and really interested in me and we fell in love really fast and then I think that our relationship became really hard but not for reasons that like felt really unhealthy. Just like we just had different emotional needs that we could not reconcile. But it wasn't a relationship that I felt like there was nothing that I felt like I couldn't talk about with my friends or that I felt really ashamed of, you know, it was just like, Oh man, uh, I really need more emotional support and he really needs more alone time. And, you know, just kind of like standard hard relationship stuff, but it wasn't like he had sex with my friend, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And I didn't want to. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, what you said you had anxiety as well. Has that always been a thing? Uh, I think so. I think ever since I was a little kid, I just was like, I just very fearful. I probably do things to make it worse. Like I drink a lot of caffeine, which I don't think helps me at all. Uh, but yeah, I think I have like, just this constant, like low level dread. You can't see me because this is a podcast, but I always twist my hair and like play with my hair. And I think that that's like my, my, uh, my anxiety in a physical form. Um, I, yeah, I'm trying to, trying to do things to, to manage it in some natural ways meditate as we talked about um exercise you know but yeah i just um yeah i i used to when i was younger um i would have uh like really severe anxiety especially when i was driving like that's when it would really come up for me on the freeways in la but Yeah, lately it's been a little bit better, probably because I have more tools. But I, I do feel like I'm just always a little bit stressed out. Yeah. <laughs> so is it general anxiety or is it social anxiety? Is it what's it kind of triggered by? Mm, not that much social. I mean, I am a little socially awkward, but in a way that I've made peace with, you know, I'm just like, all right, like I'm I'm a weird person but that hasn't stopped me from having friends so <laughs> like my friends are like yeah she's weird you know it wasn't that do you remember the moment you really because I, re I remember that moment when I realized that oh it's you can actually just be okay with being this person and then they have to be like they then they they start to having to do all the work because they have to be become okay with the awkwardness where if you've just accepted it oh my god like when you stop trying to be someone you're not yeah it's it's definitely good and you just realize that it's like i don't know i actually even though i'm a little i guess i am a little socially anxious i just find it like pretty easy to make friends i guess like if you just spend time with the same people again and again you'll be friends with them pretty much you know just uh someone's being nice to you just be nice to them back and if that goes on for a little while then you have a friend <laughs> such a nice definition yeah <laughs> yeah so i have a question that i've just started asking and i'm gonna keep asking it until uh someone points out that it's probably problematic uh which is how most of this podcast works uh so the question is you're in a medium to high security level prison uh-huh what's the most uh 
a possible reason why you're there? Oh, man. Um, Do you have any relationship with crime at all? Already? I don't have any relationship with uh, crime currently. But, you know. Currently. I would say that if the government of the United States became uh, increasingly authoritarian, that uh, I could see myself being engaged in various degrees of resistance, you know. That's because you'd be like a, almost like a political prisoner. I think so, yeah. That's pretty cool. So no murder, no... No, I don't think murder. You wouldn't no. kill for the case. Mm, uh, I don't think I'd kill anyone, no. Pretty, uh, pretty averse to violence, but yeah, I don't know. I could, uh, could see myself in a... Maybe, I don't know. I like to think that if there was uh, some uh, messed up, even more messed up government stuff going on, that I mean, maybe I would do some crimes. <laughs> yeah. Do you think about the... I used to have a question on the podcast, which I stopped doing, about resistance and what you would do if you were in part of a resistance movement. And a lot of people pointed out that we are. Yeah. Like it's, it's not even really an imaginary scenario anymore because there are people out there fighting do you think about how close that is to being a reality that there might be a time when you have to like when your life will have to stand still because there's a really big thing happening where you have to go out and be in the front line of a certain resistance movement or yeah i think about it It definitely felt very real when trump was elected you know it felt like oh no like this is it you know um I mean, for me, the majority of the political action I've taken over the past, you know, year and a half, I mean, actually, really all of it has been legal stuff, you know, protesting, and we're allowed to do that, you know, calling representatives, voting, um, getting other people to vote and call their representatives, uh, you know, spending money certain places, not spending money other places, you know, social media activism, which is kind of silly, but I think does I have think its, it's quite important. does have its yeah. place. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot you can do. Uh, I think without doing something that's illegal, but you know, hopefully, hopefully we don't encounter a time when that is, um, you know, not not true anymore. I mean, although I, you know, I also realize that you know. For some people, they're going to be uh, arrested whether or not what they're doing is illegal. Um, you know, I am, a, I am a small white lady, and so I think that I am just, I'm not, you know, I don't get picked on by cops a lot, but I know that that is not true for everyone. I try to use my privilege to good ends where possible. Um. So another question I ask is, okay, so first you need to, do you know the band called Westlife? No. Oh, you've lived a, an empty life. Uh, Westlife is like the Irish version of Backstreet Boys. I don't know. Backstreet Boys? You don't know Backstreet Boys? Oh, yeah, no, I guess oh. I do know them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was very... a long time, yeah. I just, I didn't know Westlife, yeah. No. Irish version of that so like uh, basically Backstreet Boys said never have sex and only, only wear white suits and dance uh, to this anyway point is n not at all relevant any of that I interviewed this boy band Westlife when I was 13 and I asked them this question and they answered badly very disappointing their answer so now I've started asking the question on this podcast because uh, 
I trust other people to answer better. So the question is basically based on, uh, like you've known that you were doing this podcast for a few few days, a day, a day and a half. And uh, I don't know how much you've thought about it, but the question basically is, what would you most want for me to ask you? And it could be anything from, like, you know, like the topic that journalists never ask or the thing you really want to talk about or... Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I, ah, you know. This is so... What do I want you to ask me? I don't know. I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of a question that I really want the answer to. <laughs> Oh yeah, from yourself <laughs> or just from the world. <laughs> um, it's kind of silly. I really want. I, I'm on the road a lot. Uh, I really want to figure out how to have a pet. Uh, have a pet. How to have a pet. I oh, really wow. do. People. Yes. Okay, people make fun of emotional support animals, uh, and I don't think that they should because I think that an animal is like an animal that loves you is actually one of the things that like can just make people the happiest. Like when I was going through my breakup with my last boyfriend, I was pet sitting an eight week old kitten and that little tiny baby kitty made me so happy. And I think that I processed my breakup so much more quickly because I just got to pet this little thing all the time. And so um, I am, I'm looking for the answer of how I can have a pet when I go on the road all the time. What kind of pet would you like? I really want a kitten, but I'd also be super down for a dog. I don't know. I mean, I feel like dogs could travel easier, but that might just be in my head. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just, I, I definitely want to, I want to figure out the pet thing. I mean, I guess also I'm thinking about a lot like, uh, you know, I just, I feel really stressed out a lot between about like how to like find the balance between like love and career. Like I think I'm really scared to get into a relationship because I'm worried that I won't have like the freedom to do what I do. Is that freedom anymore? from the person or something you would put on yourself? Maybe both. I don't know. I'm, I was in a relationship when I was younger with someone who was just like totally not supportive of mm. my artistic ambitions. And, uh, you know, I th- I, I'm just I'm, I'm scared to I'm scared. I think I'm scared to really like get involved with someone because I'm afraid. Like, what if they're like, well, I don't want you to go out every night. And just uh, maybe they won't be like that. I don't know. I mean, maybe I would just break up with someone if they were like that. But I'm really scared. And uh yeah, a question that I have is like, uh, how do you love someone without being worried about having to sacrifice the other stuff that's really important to you? I don't know the answer to that one either. Um, and also, how can I get a pet when I travel all the time? I know that that was a very different uh, thing than you asked me, which is what question I wanted to be asked, but I don't know. <laughs> Not that you have more questions that you want to have answered than yeah. you want to ask. Yeah. I have a I have a listener called Rachel who has an uh, emo, I think it's an emotional support dog, uh, and it's the cutest. And I know it because she brings it to my, the gigs when she comes to my gigs. So it, I try to make her sit on like the front row so I can look at the dog throughout the show, and it's it does something. Like they have dogs in prisons and stuff, and it helps with you know like people feel better. It's like an anti-stress thing. It totally works. It's the best thing. Yeah, yeah. but if you get a tiny enough dog. I thought I'd be like a small dog person, you know, 
<laughs> maybe if you're I don't even know how dogs travel like can you not just are there not dogs on planes and stuff I guess so I don't know I don't know too much about it I'm, I'm trying to learn about it figure yeah. it out yeah oh have you did you grow up with pets uh yeah I had two cats when I was growing up and they were really cute really really sweet giants like just huge cats could barely pick them up but they were so sweet yeah Aww. where'd you grow up um in los angeles yeah oh okay yeah what's that like because like i've been there once and it uh, seems like a uh, fairly uh, stressful place to yeah it's, it is kind of stressful you have to drive all the time everywhere it's like just really it's just yeah you gotta drive on the freeway all the time i really hate driving i love public transportation that's part of the reason i moved to new york is because i'm just like i just want to take public transportation i want to be able to read not worry not get in an accident it's so much better yeah so would you ever live in a small place like a village like a cabin in the woods or are you like a big city person? I'm a big city person. I did. I lived on a farm for a month. No, a year, actually, after I graduated from college because my wife was in the Peace Corps and she was working in a farming community and I went and lived with her on a farm. And it was very beautiful, but I was very bored. I need a fast-paced city life. Yeah, I was just like, we were in this rhythm where it was like, well, I can't do any work now because lunch is only three hours away. And then I'd have lunch and I'd be like, yeah, well, it's not like I can get started on something when I have to have dinner in four hours. You know? <laughs> yeah. Did you say your wife was in the Peace Corps? Yeah. So you've been married. I, yeah, I got married when I was very young. I was 23. And uh, yeah, I was only married for like a year and a half. It was not a long time at all. Maybe two years. Yeah. We were together when we were in high school. Uh, yeah, it was it was too young. I was really in love with her. And I really thought that we were going to be together forever. Um, but, you know, the things that we attracted us to each other at that point were like, you know, just we we had a lot of fun together we had a strong um physical chemistry but you know in terms of like the life stuff like i really wanted to pursue a career in the arts and she was really like we're married now like we gotta save up and move to the suburbs and have some kids asap and i was like i i didn't know that you know <laughs> yeah that's a surprise yeah yeah just stuff that you don't even know to talk about when you're that age really i guess 23 yeah can you do you see can you imagine a future where that was what happened? Like, you know, do you do you ever see your life in parallel universes where you're like, "Fuck!" Imagine if I at any point in my life made just a tiny decision differently. I don't think that was ever going to work out. Honestly, it's it it went on for too long. I can imagine an alternate future where I left that situation way earlier or never started it up in the first place. <laughs> okay. But there was no way that that was like going to work. You know. <laughs> um. So to wrap up the politics stuff, what kind of future do you see in terms of, I don't know, either you as a comedian who talks about politics or even just like living in America and kind of being part of this whole annoying Trump situation? Annoying is such a British way of saying it because it's a horrendous thing. Yeah, I kind of want to do comedy for a long time. And then when I'm older, I kind of want to run for office um we'll see you know i could and 
still doing comedy forever and ever because um, I love it. And I actually think it's like a very good way to talk to people about stuff that you care about because I think people are a lot more open-minded when something is entertaining. They'll, you know, be willing to listen to ideas that they would normally be into. But yeah, I mean, I try to remain politically active and I could definitely see myself like wanting to be, you know, even more involved with politics at some point later in my life. But for now, I'm really happy doing comedy. Could like you imagine, like, being a, like a woman president, like the first woman president? Of a, like, could, could you imagine living the life of getting that much negativity thrown in your face all the time? And I'm not trying to discourage it. Like, I'm not being like, oh, that's, you should never do that. But, like, I see some of the female politicians in the UK and how much horrendous bullshit they have to endure are you the kind of person who would be like yeah i'm up for that like anything to be i don't want to i definitely would never want to be president i would i don't know i'd want to be something way less uh way less powerful than that i don't i don't know what but uh definitely not president i don't know i mean we'll see i think things are probably going to change a lot over the next 20 years I think it's definitely possible, if not likely, that the next president of the United States will be a woman. Yeah. I think it's I think it's possible, if not likely, that the next several presidents will be um will be women, you know, you know, or or non binary. I don't know. But I mean Trump is kinda like peak peak toxic masculinity and not not that, you know, not that every man would be like that. You know, Trump is his, is his own thing. And there was uh, probably, you know, many um, compassionate, thoughtful men who could really do a great job. And he is not one of them, you know. But I, not all male presidents. Yeah, not all men. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, that's that's a funny thing. Because, yeah, I do hate the, like, reflexive not all men thing. But, you know, on the other side of that, I, I think it's important to, like that we all like kind of keep thinking and articulating like ways of like being masculine that are like loving and caring and thoughtful and you know it's 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 not like being a man is just is bad or something like that you know not that really i think anyone thinks that but you know i don't know it's i i've i've actually seen a lot of men uh become better now that trump is president um, like a lot of guys I know that like were like maybe like a little bit like would just kind of harass women a tiny bit before like they like <laughs> see Trump and like how gross he is and they're like I don't want to be anything like that you know That's so they, they like pulled it way back and are just like <laughs> super supportive of women now. I mean, what a strange thing! Yeah, <laughs> what a strange situation to be like. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you saying that the next oh that that's a possibility that the next president will be a woman is probably the most optimistic and positive thing I've heard about American government in a while. Like, yeah. That's really nice to hear. I think so. I mean, I think it's just Trump is a lot for a lot of people, you know? I think, yeah, I think he'll be a woman or two. Maybe even a conservative woman. But I think, you know, like I could even see, like, you know, not that I would agree with her on anything, but, you know. I think Nikki Haley might be president. Do you know who that is? No idea. Um, she uh, has been the governor of, oh, uh, man, I forgot which state, actually. But now she, um, yeah, 
now she, I think, is the UN ambassador. I think I am. Uh, hopefully that is true. But, you know, she's a prominent Republican woman. Um, has also been critical of Trump. And, yeah, I could see her being president. could see uh, Kamala Harris being president. Kristen Gillibrand's. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think... I, I think people are kind of grossed out by the, the Trumpiness of Trump mm-hmm. and um, even some people who were not enthused about Hillary Clinton might be enthusiastic to vote for a woman next time. Yeah. But not you. No, I never want to do that. I mean, it's, like, I guess your original question is like, could I like handle that amount of uh, abuse? No, definitely not. I feel very upset when people... Uh, are mean to me just for comedy which happens sometimes but not all the time um and it's very stressful and i feel like i don't want more of that you know (laughs) so um the last question that i always ask uh is this so you are in the delivery room where you were born and you right now are holding yourself as a teeny tiny baby So little Kate is uh, crying and crying because there's lights and sounds everywhere and she's just been born. It's all very, very scary because she was in the womb and that was safe, but now it's all terrifying. And you know that the next, I don't know how old you are, but the next years of uh, tiny, tiny baby's life is going to be just as scary, but it won't be lights and sounds. It'll be diseases and illnesses and and, uh, Trump and it'll be this, there'll be a lot of that happening in her life. And you can say something to the baby that might make her less scared if that is what you want her to feel you can't change the future at all but you can say something to teeny tiny baby you what would you say um oh man that's hard to hard to think about what that be i guess just that there's you know there's always love around like um just to take refuge and the connections in your life and you know nothing ever really nothing ever feels as terrifying when there's other people around that you know you really can enjoy and give your heart to and uh yeah i think that's that's the stuff that makes it makes it all feel more optimistic it's just is love any kind of love you know not not just romantic friendship family yeah do you still need to be told that uh I think I I think I remember that maybe 85% of the time. I definitely go through periods of time where I do not remember that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like to be alone a lot. I'm kind of introverted sometimes and I mean and sometimes that's great. Like solitude is great, but like aloneness can be really stressful and I when I'm like debating with myself about like should i stay in and like think by myself or should i go for a coffee with my friend i need to remember that the right answer is almost always go for the coffee get outside of yourself you know show up for somebody else and that that makes life a lot better i think yeah thank you so much uh where can people find yourself um I am on Twitter at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And my website is katewillett.com. Um, I will be here in Melbourne for another week. Um, and then coming up very soon, I am going to be um, in North Carolina um, in Wilmington. Um, and I'm going to be uh, in the Boston Women in Comedy Festival. 
and um, some other places coming up this summer. This was really fun. Thank you. Thank you. And Netflix? Oh, yeah, Netflix. I don't know when it's coming out, but it should be sometime this summer. I'm going to have a 15-minute special on there. That's amazing. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And if that was it and you're done now, you can turn off the episode. Skip to another podcast, another episode of this podcast, whatever you want. Go live your life, man. (laughs) Man, go live your life. If you enjoyed the episode, though, please hang around because I want to talk to you about something. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for giving it a chance, for listening through it. And I want to thank you for supporting the podcast in whichever way you're doing so. There are several ways that you are helping me out. You either support me on patreon.com forward slash Mopad, M-O-H-P-O-D, which is this wonderful website where you, um, you sign up, you become a patron, You decide on a certain amount of dollars, American dollars, that you will want to give per episode. And then you just give them your information and it does everything automatically. So once a month you will give a certain amount of money to uh, to make sure we keep the podcast going and we keep it uh, nice and we get some interesting people and... It's the best thing ever. You can also give uh, a one-off donation on PayPal. Uh, all of that is on the madeofhumanpodcast.com website under Donate, I think. And um, all of that helps me so, so much. And I, I do a little squeal every time I see that someone has uh, has chosen to support it. So thank you so much. Another way that you are supporting it is by spreading the word, telling people that the podcast exists. Um, I've met some comedians who uh, told me they knew about the podcast from from Twitter or from hearing people talk about it, and that's um, that's really nice. That's so, so lovely. You can also, of course, come to the live shows, madeofhumanpodcast.com, again, for tickets and links and stuff. And another thing that you do, which I find is um, I don't see that happening a lot with other podcasts, so I'm really proud of this. You tend to tweet or message the guests and thank them for doing the podcast which is so heartwarming and one of the things I appreciate the most it means so much because the guests always come back to me and they're so uh, they tell me that I have good listeners and that is like the best that's you're the closest thing I will get to having children so (laughs) so thank you for that Um, another way you can support me and me, <laughs> me as a comedian and a podcaster, is to go to my website, sophiehagen.com forward slash shop, where you can buy uh, my show, uh, my last year's show, Shimashata, which is about being an introvert and not really liking people or parties. And that's just five pounds. You can get it like a video. Um, you can either stream or download it, I believe. And um, soon, maybe even by the time you listen to this, uh, my new show will come out, Dead Baby Frog, which we recently filmed in front of Made of Human Podcast listeners. So that should also end up on sophiehagen.com forward slash shop. So, uh, so you're all helping an incredible amount and that's keeping this podcast going. It's one of my favorite things to do. So I'm, I really appreciate it. And I have to admit right now, um, if you feel like you've heard this before, it's because this month is... I mean, so stressful and weird and I'm traveling all over the world and I don't know when I'll get to record again. I don't know when I'll have Wi-Fi again. So this is basically like a collective um, outro that I'm recording now and it will be used in about five different episodes, I think. I am sorry if that feels like I'm cheating a tiny bit. But if it helps in any way, I was going to say the exact same things anyways. um, Because I mean them and I know I've said just variations of this for... 80, 90 episodes now. So, ooh, what do we do for the 100th episode? We should do something for that. 
Ooh. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's some in theory something I should be uh, thinking of, and that's not uh, up to you. So, uh, so by that, that also means that now I'm going to thank the people who support with more than five dollars because they become like a friend of the podcast. So five dollars per episode or more. These are friends of the podcast, and uh, they get a shout out at the end of. Um, of the episode. So this is the people who are supporting with more than $5 per episode via patreon.com forward slash Mopad on the day that this is recorded. So if you've just become a supporter and a a patron and you don't hear your name, don't worry, you will be mentioned the next time I record an outro. Uh, It's gone through. It's just the way this whole podcasting thing works. Don't worry, just stick to it and you will hear your name uh, probably horrifically mispronounced by me. But first, uh, these people deserve a huge, massive thank you for keeping this podcast going, for being part of the community, for being just awesome, supportive people. And I'm so proud uh, that I will probably always remember your names uh, because um, I've said them so many times. So thank you, thank you, thank you to Kathy Draxelbauer, Robert Knowles, Eve Wingworth, Marnie Biles, Phil Vabulous, uh, Katrina Engelsen, Rachel Furley, Zoe Cumberland, George Pearson, Marbles Laws, Danielle Rowley, Ronya Ronya, uh, Robert Lee Can, Phil Summer, Kat Posse. Oh, it's Kat Posse. She was, she's been a guest twice. Nancy Gristel, Ragdoll, Queen T. Hello, Queen T. Um, Nina Collingwood, Kamaya Overa, Jessica Sheena Robinson, George Mk, Jane Mahoney, Mansour Mir, Hannah Keel, Helena Thomas, Josie, Lily, Robert Crossland, Harry Minnett, uh, Cecil Fjeldtun, Rachel Hemsley, Mari Fraser, Lucy, Eileen Olofsson, Susie Tyler, Rachel Craftman, Kirsten Davidson, Purdy Patterson, Steph Reem, Ruth Harvey, Caddy, Katie Hatfield, Robin Kabber, Karen Frethaway, Russell Hughes, Ida Sugolasen, Inga Illingsen, Caleb M., uh, which is Mel- Melchior, but then I couldn't pronounce Melchior, uh, so Caleb changed it because uh, it was a nice thing to do, but now I'm insisting on saying Melchior. Dr. Boda Cycle, that's because people can ch- choose their own names, uh, Emma Chan, Kathy Beveridge, um, Emma Walton, Andy Walker, Geraldo Nascimento, Claire, Danny Beckett, Fiona Richardson, Claire Lamb, Grace Suter, Kat Piller, Harold Van Dyke, Eleanor, Sarah Ferreira, Ikeseth, and Daniel Reifershade. Oh, love you, love you, love you. Thank, and I, oh, that sounds so blah. I know that's disgusting to be like, oh my God, guys, I just totally love you all. I do. It's, it's silly and it's, um, overly emotional and stuff but it's i have a problem with authority i think it's safe to say and i think if you even this is just a few episodes that will become very uh, very apparent and doing this podcast means that i can do whatever i want whenever i want with whomever i want and i'll release it whenever i want i it's all my decisions and i trust that i can make a good product and i hope you agree with that i assume that's why you're still listening and why you've decided to support uh, what I do and I genuinely appreciate that because I it's it's all I've it's how I prefer to work it's what I want to do so thank you um genuinely and deeply uh and if this is the fifth time you've heard me say this during the fifth episode where I've had to use this I'm sorry I know it sounds a bit hack but um yeah as you're listening to this I might be recording a cool 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 episode with another cool cool person so yeah uh Listen, if you've uh, read through all of this, I um, oh read through. If you've listened through all of this and you haven't turned it off yet, you you're probably a really cool person. And if you are a really cool, nice, sweet person, uh, I suggest you go to Facebook and you search for uh, a group called the Facebook Group for the Made of Human Podcast. 
that is our sort of secret Facebook group. We have I haven't mentioned it on the podcast for almost 60 episodes now because I don't want that many people to join. But I'm just assuming I've now eliminated most people. So go and apply. You have to answer some questions because I really don't want a lot of people to come in. So I am being very strict in terms of who I let in because it's such a precious group uh, full of amazing and wonderful people. So if you're still listening and that sounds like something you want to do, try and search for that group, see if you can find it, and then apply to get in, and then you might be one of the lucky ones uh, who gets to hang out with all the the core listeners, the super, super cool um, and uncool, but in the coolest way, uh, listeners of this podcast. So I'm going to let you go now. I want to thank Sarah Garvey for producing this episode, Bailey Leonard for writing and recording the jingle, to Linda Brinkhouse for the logo, and to the Phoenix Artist Club and Peter Dunbar for letting me record episodes there. I will speak to you next week. Bye. Mm-hmm.